You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors' sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, hey, motherfuckers. I am surrounded by snakes and fucking morons! Uh, if it is to be said, so it be, so it is. Get down! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! Candle, ring the troops! Bore on the floor! Bore on the floor! Greg, on the floor, bore! I'm not saying I would make a better CEO. That's unsaid. It's not unsaid when you say it. But I think this is the day his reign ends. A oh, fuck off. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here for The Sesh. And if it is to be said, so it be, so it is. We're going full fucking beast here. And I am joined today by our man, Neil Flanagan to talk all about the first episode of season three of Succession. Neil, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Davey. I feel like in the spirit of this TV show, I should maybe have started with a tirade of insults at you, but um, I'll be more of a cousin Greg and uh, sort of the hapless sidekick for this show. <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, if the if the insults come, let them out because uh, <laughs> we're going to be quoting a lot during this show. Uh, yes, this is a new show for Up Next. Um, we are free today on our Up Next feed, um, but this is a show moving forward that's going to be on the Patreon. Um, season one and two, uh, kind of, I binged during uh, the pandemic and uh, loved it. And it feels like there's quite a few listeners of Post and Up Next who are also a fan of this show. So I thought, why not, uh, with season three just being released, uh, well, the first episode anyway, do a weekly show kind of covering Succession. Um, Neil, I, I know you're, you're a fan of this show as well, and that's why I invited you on as our first guest on the sesh uh, today. But Kind of when did you get into Succession and, and what is it that draws you to this uh, to this show? 
I'm very grateful to be invited, Davey. Um, I got into the show quite early on. It was, um, I believe, debuted in 2018 in June in over in the US. And it was shown then on Sky Atlantic in the UK and Ireland from August, so shortly afterwards. And I was just intrigued by the trailers that I saw. And I like Brian Cox as, a, as an actor. So I got in on the ground floor, as it were, whenever it first got shown week to week over here. Um, and then, of course, there was uh, the second season and then a big gap due to COVID. So I rewatched both of the first two seasons then in the gap. And uh, I believe that a lot of people um, got into it uh, in the period that you're talking about um, during lockdown during the past year, word of mouth, that kind of thing, because my understanding is the show debuted to an audience of something like half a million. You know, we talk about wrestling ratings all the time. Mm. Not great, you know, I, I guess, but uh, it, the audience has just grown and grown. So uh, and what drew me to it, um, just the the, the sheer uh, dysfunctionality and, and hilarity of it all. It's, um, I think... Uh, one of the funniest and yet dramatic, most dramatic shows um, I've seen on television in, in a long time. I feel it's it's definitely one of those uh, word of mouth shows um, that uh, I know the, the the rating for this this new episode was a lot more than half a million, and it's had a lot of kind of Emmy buzz and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely got into it on word of mouth, and I see a lot more people come this season trying to hop on it and do the catch up. But for me, I find it a really hard uh, show to actually sell, if you know what I mean. When people go, okay, well, um, what's Succession about? You ask me what Lost is about. Well, it's a plane crash and they land on this mysterious magical island and shit goes down, you know? Um, 24, oh, it's a a kind of secret agent and each episode is an hour of the day and it's done in real time. You go, okay, that sounds cool. When I'm trying to explain this show, it's uh, it's so hard because the beauty uh, and what makes this show so good is the the dialogue. And you said about <laughs> the the insults, the tirade of insults, just the the language they use, the dysfunctionality of uh, this whole family. Um, it's one of those shows where no one is really a good person, but you definitely have your favorites and your people you you root for. Um, but this is a a wrestling podcast. So I say the best way to describe this show is we are looking at the behind the scenes lives of the McMahon family. Um, <laughs> to anyone outside of the wrestling bubble, I'd say this is the Murdochs. We're, we're talking about a, a family, these, these media giants um, who, who run this company called Waystar, um, by Royco. We're looking at the, the Roy family, uh, big media company, have their fingers in a lot of pies. They've got um, like the, the papers, the news, um, movies, theme parks, cruise ships, all of this. And uh, it's ran by Brian Cox's character, Logan Roy, who uh, when we first start this whole series, um, it looks like he's going to pass his company down to one of his kids, and it's going to go to Kendall Roy. Um, However, as uh, the kind of opening of the series goes on, um, Logan kind of changes his mind 
Then he suffers a stroke. And kind of most of season one is Kendall trying to um, kind of stage a coup and and take over the company because he doesn't think his father is fit to run it anymore. Um, but also he's just kind of pissed off because he hasn't uh, been given the crown he was promised. Um, but the, th- the problem is with Kendall is he's uh, an addict as well, pretty much addicted to any kind of high in life, any kind of drug. And uh, that unfortunately results in a bit of a tragedy where um, he buys drugs off of a, a waiter and uh, gets high and crashes the car, killing this waiter, which puts all the power back into his dad's lap as he's now helping cover up this uh, this crime that happened and makes Kendall very much fall in line. Um, so that's kind of season one. Um, and then we see the, the rest of the family. We've got uh, Shiv, who's the eldest daughter, who kind of runs, uh, she helps like people run for president and that kind of thing, um, but isn't so invested in the, uh, the company that her father runs, but definitely um, is kind of a... Uh, a businesswoman trying to move up and definitely has her eyes set on perhaps taking over this company. Um, you've got Roman, who who mm. might be might be my favourite character in this, played by Kieran Culkin, who's the the youngest son of the Roys and is just a bit of a prick. He's born with a a silver spoon in his mouth. He's never really had to work a day in his life because everything just uh, falls to him but doesn't really know what he's doing a whole lot of the time and is just there to quite often stir the pot. And uh, he's the guy that says the things everyone else is thinking, but knows might get them in a bit of trouble if they say it. Um, then we yeah. have Connor, uh, who is the the kind of idiot of the family who really uh, doesn't want to be involved at all. He'll just do what everyone else says. Um, he has a a paid for girlfriend called Willa, who um, is a uh, is an escort who he he pays to be his girlfriend and to be exclusive with him, and he's trying to kind of get her acting career off the ground and just pumping all this money into her acting career. He has uh, dreams of being president, and his whole presidential campaign is no more taxes. Um, so he's just a complete buffoon here and uh connor's definitely one of the like lighter characters and more more on the sidelines a bit a bit more comic relief but isn't so invested in the in the whole family drama of the roys very much so and played by um alan rock who i still to this day see as cameron from ferris bueller's day off no matter how, how old the man is <laughs> i believe he's, he's 65 these days but um, wow um and a little uh, nugget I came across was but trying to think well but how old was he when he when he was in Ferris Bueller and he was he was 30 when he played that role right which is <laughs> he doesn't he didn't look it in the film no not at all yeah uh, but yes he's the absolute buffoon of the family from I believe Logan's first marriage uh, the first wife who really did, never features in the show mm. or is really mentioned much yeah uh then we have Tom who is Shiv's husband, works for uh, for Waystar, 
Um, and he's quite an interesting character because he's um, he's in love with Shiv um, and uh, they get married um, during the show. Um, but she's always kind of got kind of bigger dreams than the relationship. She has affairs, try to, tries to convince him into having an open relationship, whereas he very much wants to be exclusive. He's he's definitely, I, I'd say, good at his job, but doesn't necessarily have the ruthlessness of most of the other characters. And that's where Cousin Greg falls in. Uh, Cousin Greg is the, the nephew of Logan Roy, um, his his grandfather is the uh, the brother of Logan, who they have a very strained relationship. And Greg is a bit of a stoner, um, bit of a stoner, bit of an idiot. His mum's kind of just sent him to try and weasel his way into a position in this company to to try and get a bit of a paycheck. Um, but he has no clue what he's doing. He's a complete idiot, and he's he's Tom's best friend slash punching bag and kind of it's the only time in these scenes where you see tom have the power is when he's with cousin greg um but possibly the the best relationship in this show i think yes the best double act in the show and uh, always there for a comic relief although they have their dramatic moments too but uh yes that's where they really shine and then we have jerry and frank who are kind of logan's one and two um both at some point during the series have tried to uh join kendall and try to take over the company for as i think frank puts it the soul of the company um they see that logan might be losing his touch a little and um but jerry is definitely the uh i'd say the shrewder one of the two um she seems to kind of do everything quite by the book but also you know she has uh, a bit of a killer instinct to her as well and definitely has visions of herself being a bit higher up yeah jerry strikes me as maybe possibly with the exception of logan himself the one of the sharpest uh characters in the whole show certainly more so than the the uh, roy children yes um and then jerry also has a bit of a weird relationship with the youngest son uh uh, sorry, Roman, who Roman through his relationships, you you see kind of um, his his girlfriend in the show. He doesn't really have sex with her too much. And they kind of play a bit on what maybe is his his preference or what gets him off. He's he's a lot of talk, but apparently not a lot of action when it comes to that department until he starts having phone calls with Jerry, who is a. Uh, quite a bit older than Roman, um, but he definitely gets off on her maybe maturity and power. Um, and that definitely plays into the episode we're going to talk about here. Yeah. Rome, uh, Roman clearly has sexual dysfunction <laughs> issues. They're ne- the, the root of them is never really explained, apart from perhaps in, in the early episodes, some... Um, hint that the kids the other kids might have locked him in the dog cage when he was when he was young mm. and there's some sort of uh hence into some sort of not sexual abuse but just like bullying from a very young age um and yes doesn't seem to be able to have a normal relationship at all so this family is very much fucked up very much dysfunctional 
And we go into this season, um, Tom had found uh, quite early on in season one, found uh, these kind of um, allegations that happened on a, a cruise ship, allegations of um, like sexual assault and bullying and even, I believe, a, a suicide on this on yes, this cruise ship. I think rape as well. I think pretty much the gamut of <laughs> terrible deeds were done. Absolutely. The cruise line. So he uses Greg, his his punching bag, to destroy all the evidence, all the documents that are um, are evidence of these crimes and these uh, yeah, these allegations. However, um, Greg, maybe uh, a little smarter than we give him credit for, mm. decides to keep some of the documents. And at the end of season two, uh, we believe Kendall is falling into line and is. Uh, is going to basically take the blame for these crimes, uh, take full responsibility for it. And live on TV, he changes his mind and throws his dad under the bus. He sells out Logan, um, says that Logan was uh, aware of all this and basically uh, sets fire to this company and to his father. And he knows he has uh, cousin Greg with this evidence as well. And we end season two with uh, this news report happening, Kendall selling out his father, and we see uh, Logan Roy smiling as he's watching Mm. the TV. And um, I wouldn't say that smile necessarily plays too much into this episode, but what, what was your last impression going off of season two and watching Logan, Logan's reaction to, um, his whole life potentially coming crashing down here. In the moment at the end of season two, I felt that uh, Logan was almost feeling uh, last, that's my boy, you know, kind of the killer instinct finally coming out. Um, as you said, though, it doesn't really play in to the beginning of season three where Logan is in full go-to-war mode on his son. Mm. Um, but in that moment, I felt like... Um, yeah, uh, there was almost a sense of a uh, slight flicker of pride. I think so too. He's obviously in this episode, he's he's panicked and spooked because this is his his world that's going to come crashing down. But the the issue with Kendall the whole time has been that killer instinct. Kendall is clearly a smart guy and I think um, potentially capable of running this, but he doesn't have that. Uh, ruthlessness that his father does, which maybe you need in a business like this. And I think Kendall uh, making this play, um, he doesn't, Logan doesn't res- uh, like it, but he certainly respects it and sees it maybe as something he'd have done. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting end to, uh, to season two there. Um, but let's get into season three which takes place immediately after the events of season two. And we see Kendall is just locked in a bathroom, um, trying to kind of figure out what his next move is. He's trying to calm down. Um, he's like, it's it's the cat's out of the bag now. There's nothing, uh, you can't go back on this decision, but how is he going to move forward? And I think just this this image of him in the bathroom shows for me that there wasn't necessarily ever a plan here. Um, So it's where do we go next? 
Yeah, I agree entirely. It's, I feel like the, the, the decision to out his father was done in the moment. And here we see, as you said, it picks up straight away after that. And he's lying sort of in a fetal position in an empty bath um, before sort of emerging. And from, from then on in the rest of the episode, he seems to have almost this messiah complex of, right, I'm going to, you know, take over the world almost, you know. Yeah, I see. new high. It, it, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Kendall seems high in this whole episode. We, we've seen him throughout doing all kinds of drugs, but this is like a, a new uh, high, a new state of euphoria he's on. And uh, he comes across kind of very confident, but also um, most highs have a crash at the end. So you're kind of waiting for mm. that moment as well. Uh, but he pumps himself up. He comes out and kind of is like right we need an action plan we're we're ready to go um so he's going to head to to waystar uh, to kind of figure out his next move um carolina who's one of the sort of assistants in the show um tells him that it, it's unlikely that he's going to be able to get into waystar because he's uh he's essentially destroying the company and they're going to block access for him and Kendall kind of questions her whether she's with him or against him and she can't give him a straight answer. So he kicks her out the car and it's like, right, it's just uh, me and cousin Greg here against the world. Um, <laughs> maybe not the best right-hand man you'll need in this situation. Um, meanwhile, you see the other camp kind of team Logan here. Who's with, um, who's with Carl, Frank, uh, Jerry and his, his children, um, Roman, Shiv and Connor. And he's questioning his kids whether they knew Kendall was going to do this. Obviously, they deny it and say, no, had no idea. Um, so Logan makes a phone call to, uh, to Kendall and uh, it's, it's Jess. It's Kendall's kind of other like, assistant, I guess. That's his PA, yeah. Yeah, who answers the phone. Kendall doesn't want to speak to him. So they're doing a bit of kind of broken telephone here, passing <laughs> on the messages. And Logan says that he made a good move, but uh, he should just say he misspoke and he's been unwell and they can make a deal and they can kind of save something here and make it good for the both of them. Um, this is the only kind of uh, hint in the episode of that smile we saw at the end of season two saying yeah. you made a good move. You, you made a good play there, but you're still out of your depth and we can work out this together. Uh, Kendall says, look, you shouldn't be talking to me. Uh, I'm cooperating with the government. Like this conversation shouldn't be happening. Uh, so Logan turns and gets nasty and says, I'm going to grind your bones to make my bread. And Kendall tries to come back with a bit of a, a smart line, but flubs it. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to you know, run up the um, uh, uh, beanstalk. beanstalk? <laughs> and this is all done through broken telephone. So uh, Jess is like, yeah, so he he said he's going to run up uh, uh, the, the beanstalk. And she then says, oh, L Logan's just laughing, but it, it doesn't sound a nice kind of laugh. And you see this a lot in this show where you have uh, Logan, who is so quick with his, his one-liners and his insults. And quite often you see the likes of Kendall or Greg try to match it and just just doesn't have the the zingers at all. Yeah, there's an, there's another um, just winner of a line in this uh, sequence in the car where he puts Greg to work as his um, 
media monitoring sort of chief. Yeah. So Greg is basically just on the phone on Twitter. Yeah. Reporting back some of the tweets. Uh, uh, the Pope is following you, he says at one point, and then he corrects himself. No, it's just a Pope. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think Kendall says, uh, stick the socio-political thermometer up the nation's ass. That's his instructions to Greg, you know, to uh, monitor Twitter. So th- th- some of the lines are just absolute gold in this show. And it's also like with Greg, it's we see the same a bit later in the episode with Connor. It's uh, all right. What? How can you make yourself useful? Okay, read Twitter. <laughs> Go on Twitter and see what's going on because you can't really trust him with much more. Um, back in uh, like Camp Logan, Roman is suggesting that they just run Kendall's name through the mud. Um, say he was uh, he's a junkie. He's been exploiting these women who have been making these accusations uh, to be on his side. It's just a play for the company and just. We can completely dis- discredit Kendall here. Um, Logan realizes that he's in pretty troubled water, so wants to have a call with the president. This is how high up uh, Logan Roy is, that he he can have a direct line through to the president. Um, meanwhile, in the car, uh, Kendall is trying to call um, kind of all the all the main characters in this show to try and get them on board be like hey you can you can jump ship you know you can be on my side the only person he actually gets through to is is frank who logan doesn't trust at all he's fired frank multiple times um and frank is the only one that might might be on board and this is where kendall says uh like i I did this for us i did this for the soul of the company um as as Frank has been involved with these coups before, yeah. uh, he's trying to call Jerry, but Jerry goes straight to voicemail. Um, what? Where do you feel uh, Frank is uh, is going to align here? Because there's so much during this episode with um, with Logan telling him, "I don't trust you. I don't trust you," mm-hmm. which could go either way. It could be Frank wants to do something to win that trust back from Logan. Or it could be, well, you don't trust me. Fuck you. I'm going with Kendall. Yeah, I honestly think it could go either either way because, as we've alluded to in previous seasons, Frank has aligned himself with Roman before, um, particularly in a, in an attempt that did not work mm. to um, oust him as on a vote of no confidence. And um, so Frank could go either way. I feel like he's 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 a smart cookie. My sense is he's weighing up the situation at the moment because he certainly listens to Kendall. He doesn't say a word and mm. then uh, hangs up and um, s- sort of very brief shot of him sort of pondering, you know. Pondering about so. it. So the White House don't want uh, this phone call from Logan Roy to be on their log. So they've got to go kind of through the assistant um Logan makes a comment, I'm not dealing with the babysitter. Jerry, you can handle this. So Jerry's talking to sort of one of the president's assistant and she's kind of going, hey, like, you know, all this is bullshit, right? And I know the president will be supportive. Um, And she's going, look, I'm not here to ask for any favours, but reading between the lines, I'm asking for favours here and you need to make this go away. And um, 
this kind of assistant of the president says there's there's one person who could be a problem for you um, from the attorney general. And it's this woman called Marilyn. Um, she's very much a straight shooter and any kind of accusation, she's going to be uh, pretty thorough investigating. And Jerry kind of flippantly half joking says, well, you, you could just fire her, <laughs> which has this awkward kind of ha 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 response. Um, so this conversation, I don't think goes too well, but the rest of the, the rest of the car, are like, oh, you, 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 you did well, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Seems yeah. positive, but they're definitely, uh, at least what they took from this is a read from the president that maybe he's not going to be on their side and they've got to have another plan of action because this shit is going to be investigated. And I think it's interesting, the dynamic between, we, we never see the president in any of the previous series or in, or in uh, this episode, but the, um, the comparisons with the Roys to the Murdochs, the Murdo mm. you know, Rupert Murdoch obviously has a year of presidents and prime ministers. And in, I think it's the first season, maybe the second, it's, it's a bit hazy in my memory. Um, Logan's very annoyed at having to go to the White House to to make a pitch to the president about something. And then he makes the president wait on the phone. So that power dynamic is obviously completely shifted here. Logan's in the shit. President wants to keep clean hands. Yeah, there's a line in, I think it's season one or something, where he's like, oh, I've dealt with like four, five, six presidents. Like it, it, doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't have the same weight as it would to like you or I. Um, he's the one, like, the president should rely on me, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, but definitely a bit of a, a power shift there. Kendall gets to Waystar and that's where he realizes his access has been denied. Um, they can't go to his house because it's swamped with press. Uh, so they need to change plan. And this is where Greg is all excited and says, oh, this is this is just like OJ, except we <laughs> we didn't kill anyone. And Kendall says, who says I didn't kill anyone? The juice is loose, baby. Uh, Unbelievable, and it, it was—I think it's one, one of the moments of the, of of this episode because he's he's as you said before, feels like he's high. He's laughing when he says, "Who said I didn't kill anyone?" And of course, longtime followers of the show will immediately think, "Yes, you did. You killed someone. <laughs> you did kill someone. You were responsible for somebody's death in the car crash." Mm. Um, at the wedding, um, and I'm not sure. It's uh, I'm not sure that uh, Kendall has that in mind when he makes the joke or not. You know whether he's just joking or. Whether... I absolutely think he does, and I, I think yeah. it's this kind of uh, you said earlier, kind of a messiah complex thing with mm -hmm. him. Um, he's definitely just high on this on this whole plan and everything that's coming into play, and he does. He's like he almost feels like I got away with murder as well. Mm -hmm. And with his father being involved in the cover-up, um, I can imagine him thinking this isn't going to go like down because he's implicated, like Logan's implicated in this death as well. Um, but it definitely, it really showcases how, as we said, high Kendall seems at this point. And just another hilarious moment from both Greg and Kendall here. Absolutely. And you make a really good point because in my first viewing of, of this episode, I felt that uh, Logan has an ace up his sleeve in that he knows 
that Kendall was responsible uh, for the death of this waiter at the at the wedding. But as you pointed out, and as occurred to me then later on, Logan was all over the cover up, having uh, I think it was um, Kendall's hotel key card was in the car. But that's right. Yes, Logan had had it removed. So yes, he is impl- he's heavily implicated. So I don't think this uh, the car crash can become a weapon for Logan. Mm. It, I mean, it's definitely going to come into play at some point. But it's I imagine it's it is that final um, play from Logan where he's like, "Yeah, I might be going down on this ship, but I'm taking you down with me." Mm. But as dysfunctional as this whole family is. Um, Logan does still love his kids. It, it comes out in a weird way, but will will he go to that extreme on pinning a death on his son? Uh, it, it's definitely this this Chekhov's gun in this show that yeah. that will be played at any point. And just a little reminder here that this is in play. So Camp Logan and their they're realizing they're going to need a, a a top lawyer here to to guide him through this. And they're pitching two names. They're pitching Lisa Arthur and they're pitching uh, someone called Leo. And um, they're kind of weighing up the options. Leo, uh, as Logan puts, will be kind of full beast. It's just um, like bull in a china shop. Let's just go to war and attack. Whereas Lisa Arthur is more... uh, She's a, a woman, which uh, they like the idea of having a, a female for this case, especially, I guess, with the uh, the sexual assault claims. Um, Jerry says, you get Lisa, and it looks like, look, this is, um, this is clearly bullshit, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're weighing up the options, and they think Lisa Arthur is the best option to be their lawyer, who is actually a friend of Shiv. So Logan says to Shiv, like, I want you to go to Lisa and try to get her on board um, and kind of hints to her that he's going to need to take a step back from CEO temporarily. So sends Shiv, Roman and Jerry back to New York um, as Logan uh, needs to go. Basically, he's going to go somewhere where, um, what's it called? Uh, expedited. So he, Extradition. Extradition. So he can't... So- yeah, ex- explain it. Yeah, there's so the, the, the list of countries that or or the Vatican is even mentioned where they could go that don't have an extradition treaty with the US, so that if the shit really really hit the fan, he you know he couldn't be hauled back and sort of you know thrown in <laughs> thrown into an orange jumpsuit straight away. Yeah. So they settle on. I think it's Sarajevo, isn't that where they go to? It's Sarajevo they go to. And uh, Logan tells Frank that he's coming with him because he doesn't trust him. So he's always keeping Frank by him. Uh, and then Tom and Carl are going to go with him to Sarajevo. And this is kind of Connor's only thing in this episode. But Willa is goes to Logan and is like, hey, what... What about Connor? What do you want Connor to do? And he's like, oh, I, I'm going to give you a really important task. I need you to stay here and like hold down the fort at this airbase. And Connor like doesn't realize he's just being fobbed off here. And he's like, yeah, I, I think I can. I think I can handle that. Um, meanwhile, we learn his next terrible plan, the, the play that he's set up for Willow, which has been doing 
horrifically bad. He's saying, right, I think to try and make some of this money back, we should lean into the the negativity of this uh, of this play and kind of get people who are like the the hipster dipshits to to come ironically. So kind of turning this into an up yours review, uh, turning it into the room or samurai cop, you know, where it's so bad, it's good that people want to see it, which might actually not be the worst idea from Connor. Yes, it actually struck me as kind of quite a good idea, although it's obviously played for laughs. And again, there's there's this wonderful dialogue um, with he talks about getting into the ironosphere with, mm. with the uh, with the uh, leaning into the bad reviews and all of that. Um, I think it's maybe worth pointing out at this point that uh, th- this episode was written by Jesse Armstrong, who created the series. And I I wasn't aware of this until fairly recently when I was looking into some of the background of where the show came from, that he was one of the co-creators of Peep Show, which for UK listeners will know very well as, you know, has got its own brand of dark humour. And he also wrote uh, on The Thick of It, another British satirical programme, famous for the character of Malcolm Tucker and his insults. So, Oh, he he fit perfectly in this show. Absolutely, yeah. Now, this is um, there's much more drama and sort of intrigue and all of that in this show. Those are more straight up comedies, but uh, that uh, it really clicked that um, it, it, the peculiarity of of the language and the humor is kind of British in nature, mm. and it's a British writer who had that background. So I thought that was well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what what do you see for Willa and Connor this season? Because they were really, apart from this scene, they were pretty much irrelevant for this. And th- there's definitely, I think, more for Willa in this show, um, who you, you see always has these uncomfortable looks because uh, Connor's pretty much convinced that they are in a relationship together, whereas for yeah. her it's very much a, a business agreement. Um I wonder if these two are going to have a bit more to play than just this, this C plot, really. Yes. I mean, all I d- did read on that score was that the, the actress who plays Willa has been upgraded to a series reg- a series regular okay. rather than a, you know, a recurring mm. role. So clearly there's something in mind there, um, but it could go in, in any direction. Because she's... Know- yeah, sorry. She's definitely smarter than Connor here. And although it's much. like just taking the the mind and doesn't even say too much, you can definitely see either, even the case of her going to Logan being like, hey, what about Connor? Um, which yeah. is is an odd move from a from an escort to just go to the head of this company and be <laughs> like, What about your son who's paying me to sleep with him? What what about him? Uh I I could definitely see her being a bit more of a player moving forward. Definitely, and there's a lot. She is one of the one of many of the um, extremely talented cast in this show that can convey an awful lot through a look or a bit of side eye or a, mm. a roll of the eyes. Roman does it too. Shiv is queen of the side eye. There's an awful lot of body language in this show as well, absolutely, as well as the dialogue. So um, I think that's that's another real strength of it. She doesn't necessarily have the most dialogue mm. um script time but um yes you, there are hidden depths there that are very clear i think to the viewer 100 
So Kendall's plan is to set up camp at his ex-wife Rava's house. And uh, when he comes in to Rava, he's completely high on life. Um, she seems like supportive. He's like, hey, I, I if I had a, any other options, I'd I'd take them. I'm I'm sorry. And she's like, no, no, sure. Yeah, this is fine. You can you can be here. Um and he says, look, I did this for us. I did this for you. I did this for the kids. And her reaction to this, she, I don't think she believes him at all. No. Um, you, you can see Rava's a, a smart woman and you can see even she tells like, this is maybe a spur of the moment thing. And you're doing this for you. Uh, you're doing this as another fix, essentially, rather than necessarily thinking of me and the kids when you're doing it. I get the sense that she's just humoring him throughout yeah. this entire episode. I mean, she's she's not going to buy the line that he's doing it for her and the kids. Um, I don't think Rava was even in season two. You know, her and the kids just didn't feature, mm. which was when Kendall was at his lowest. He was basically just beaten down by his father. Um, and uh, he never went to her then, not that we saw on screen anyway. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Rava's just... Um, humoring him and it also shows here that maybe the outside world don't really give as much a shit about what's going on than the roys do uh because throughout this whole episode this feels like it feels like war that you're setting up your camps they're going to war but his own ex-wife hasn't even watched the clip of him selling out his dad yet she says oh you know i've just been kind of busy with work and stuff but I'll, I'll get round to it. And he's like, oh, you you absolutely should because I'm <laughs> fucking shit hot in this. Like, feels <laughs> feels so proud about what he do- did. Um, this is where Kendall reveals that he is actually also trying to get the lawyer, Lisa Arthur, on his side. And he asks Rava, you think I can win this? And you're expecting just a like, yeah, of course you can. I believe in you. And she just kind of gives a shrug and is like, I don't know. And that kind of puts a little bit of a chink in Kendall's armor. It's the first time this sort of buzz and this high um, depletes in this episode. So we're now on the plane with um, who have we got? We've got Logan, we've got Carl, we've got Tom, and we've got Frank. Uh, This is where Logan tells uh, his team that he's going to step down uh, temporarily and need someone as a figurehead CEO basically just says it's nameplates. I'm going to still be running this shit, but it's mm-hmm. going to be uh, under a different name. And uh, Carl offers himself. He's like, well, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you need some of the experience and that, and uh, Logan comes up with this line, what is it? You're uh, if the only reasons your hands would be, uh, clean is because you've just had a fresh manicure or something, something along yes. those lines at the massage parlor that you go to or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And everyone is like, no, not Carl. Um, Frank says, look, I imagine you want uh, a kid or Jerry, uh, but if you just want someone short term and Logan's like, Frank, I don't trust you. You're mashed potatoes. No. And Frank's like, oh, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and this is where uh, Logan yells the line, this is war, fuck off. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, I'll, I'll rephrase it. This is war, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So they decide it's got to be um, one of the kids or Jerry. Logan says that he'd, he'd like it to be one of the kids, so Shiv or Roman, but also would like a woman. So that gives us Shiv or Jerry, but also wants someone who maybe has experience in this kind of role, which would be Roman or Jerry. So, so we've got a triple threat match going on mm. between Roman, Shiv and Jerry. And Tom immediately gets up to call his wife, um, to call Shiv and tell her that um, they're going to be picking a CEO and she's being considered. Um, she asks Tom if uh, if he even considers himself to go for it. And he's like, oh, no, no, absolutely. I absolutely not. Um, I, I'll, I'll bat for you, Shiv. Well, I found Tom quite interesting in this episode because it's twice, once with Shiv and once with Logan, questioning if he wants this role. Why do you think he isn't going for this because I, I feel deep down he he would love to be in this position no yes i mean i think like nearly every character in the show he's got incredible ambition mm. but i think maybe what we're seeing it's just a theory is a moment of realization that he is not up to the task possibly um because with logan he says it's a little rich for my blood and with um shiv He's sort of me. No, 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 no. And it comes across. It's it, it's difficult to read whether it's entirely sincere, or whether he just wants someone to reassure him that he would be good at the at the job, mm. which he never gets. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. Um, I mean, but he does agree to hustle for Shiv, and does an absolutely really just doesn't. <laughs> I think is the best way to put it. I mean, part of it makes me wonder if. It's he does see this as a sinking ship and maybe he isn't hustling too much for Shiv because if this thing like goes down, she she's going to go down with it. And similarly for himself, I'm not sure, but there there is definitely a, a lack of confidence as well. When we've seen him go into like lead board meetings and things like that, people don't entirely take Tom seriously. Uh, but I did find it quite interesting here that twice he sort of turned down the role. And as you said, said would bat for Shiv, but really doesn't. And at all. And their relationship at this point is very strained as well. Yes. Um, I think that plays into it as well. That, you know, maybe Tom has in mind um, his marriage, trying to, you know, trying to get Shiv and him on the, on the same page marriage-wise is the most important thing. Mm. So perhaps he's angling from that point of view. I don't know. Um, but it, it, clearly at the end of season two, he's not ha- at all happy with her suggestion for an open marriage. No. So perhaps he's, he's thinking more about that. Yeah. Jerry, meanwhile, gets a text from Frank uh, telling her the same thing, that her, Roman and Shiv are up for the role. And Jerry just tells Roman. So when Shiv comes back from this phone call, uh, Roman immediately knows who's on the phone and what it's regarding. So he's he's poking her and going, oh, what, what was that all about? She's like, oh, just some, some boring bullshit. And he's like, oh, boring, boring bullshit. Oh, I do hate those boring, boring <laughs> phone calls. Uh, by the way, apparently all three of us are, are up for uh, the role of CEO. You, you didn't that phone call didn't happen to be about that, did it? And she's like, well, yeah, it was. And 
questions Jerry why she told Roman. And Jerry's just like, Shiv, I'm I'm a straightforward person. Um, <laughs> which is also a little dig at her, uh, at Shiv here, being like, hey, we, no secrets. She kind of feels confident yeah. in herself, I guess. Um, so this is where, uh, yeah, so we realise all three now know that they're up for the role. Uh, Kendall at Ravers is going to meet up with this uh, PR firm who are basically going to hopefully represent him and make him come across in the best way possible and make him win this fight. And this is where uh, Kendall is on such a like a euphoric state because he's he's like I brought you in here because you're you're two of uh, you're two of the best and uh, I'd love to hear your ideas. And every time. They go to pitch one of their ideas. He's interrupting and going, yeah, well, I, I think the headline should be this. And I think mm-hmm. we should do this and this. And th- this this didn't kind of go in the direction I was expecting because I thought he was going to put off these two women um, to the point where they don't want to represent him. But they they kind of are like, all right, cool. Like, we actually seem to be on the same page. A lot of the stuff you're saying is the stuff we're saying um he even says uh i think we should do uh like get some of the guys from bojack to to write <laughs> tweets and they they simplify it so you want cool tweets is that your strategy and he's like yeah fuck you but yeah cool tweets yeah. um but yes quite- he, he basically mansplains and talks over the entire meeting with them but yeah as you say they they perhaps they're used to it, these characters so um they just go yep you know leave it with us and, and it's definitely, you, you get the sense that, uh, again, that there hasn't really been a plan. And a lot of this stuff is just shit coming off the top of his head that he's been thinking of. And all these ideas that maybe aren't quite fully formed, um, but he's just yelling them at them. But they, they say they think he'll win and they like winners. So they're on board. Uh, this is where Logan asks Tom if he's interested and he's like, oh, no, not me. It's a little rich for my blood. Um, but says, I, uh, you know, I, I like Roman. And he, he's doing this. I don't know if his tactic and Logan even calls him out on it is this mm. sort of reverse psychology because he's saying, yeah, I, I think Jerry's great. I, I think Roman's great. And Logan's going, OK, but what about Shiv? It's like, yeah, Shiv's great, too. And it seems like the um, the board here, I guess, uh, Carl, Frank, Tom, and Roman seem sorry, uh, Logan seem to be like, well, Ro- maybe Roman's the one to go for. He's uh, he's kind of seems ready now. He's young. He's he's had experience like leading. Um, so they seem pretty sure that it's going to be Roman, um, which is when Roman actually calls Logan, his father, and says, look, I want it to be me. I think I can do it. I'm ready for it. I think I should be the new CEO. And Logan's like, oh, very, very good. Um, And you feel like he's going to actually go with Roman when you hear, but if you don't want to go with me, I I completely understand. And and maybe, uh, you know, being under the wing of an old hen, uh, referencing Jerry here, mm-hmm. uh, could actually improve me and eventually, like, crack through that egg so I, I will be ready. Um, 
essentially just says, I don't think it should be Shiv. Um, do you, what, what, what was your sense of this phone call? Cause I don't know if Roman necessarily put his foot in his mouth or was more so going, I don't want the job, but I don't want to seem weak. I don't want to say I don't want it. So it's, it kind of felt like if someone uh, is like, oh, do you, do you want to go out tonight? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. But like, if you don't want to do anything tonight, mm. I, I'm perfectly fine with staying in where you're saying, yeah, I want to stay in tonight, but like, ugh, I don't want to say no. Yeah, I feel it's that. Uh, that's the sense I got. Um, at first, you know, it really isn't clear because he keeps emphasizing how much he wants it to be me. And that's even how he hangs it up the call. But um, then why would he say, but if you think I could stand to, you know, as you said, you know, um, be put under the wing of an old hen for uh, a few years, I think he says. He's, mm. I, I think if he really wanted it, that wouldn't have uh, been um, said. So, uh, yeah, at first I wasn't absolutely clear on whether he just fucked it up, mm. uh, said the wrong thing. Or, um, but I've settled on on the belief that he's just kind of maybe bottled it at the last moment. That's that's what I took, uh, especially on on second watch, and the the way that Logan hangs up the phone and immediately says Roman's out. Yeah, like he clearly doesn't want it enough. Roman's out, so it's between Shiv and Jerry now. So Shiv goes to meet um, Lisa Arthur, played by. Uh, Sana Lathan, who I I actually saw in a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with James L. Jones a few years wow. ago. Um, great actress, uh, known maybe best as the voice of um, Cleveland's wife in Family Guy. That's what I know her from. <laughs> yeah. uh, but she's fantastic, and uh, she she seems to know why Shiv's gone to meet her and says, "Look, I'm going to say it right up. I don't think I'll be the right fit for Logan." And this is where Shiv reveals that she's not actually there to get her representing Logan, but wants her to help basically guide her in her career is like, look, I'm stuck between my brother, like trying to take over the company and trying to take down my father. Um, but also I could end up being the CEO of this sinking ship Um and she's like, I need, I need a like a, an advisor. I need someone like you to guide me through all of this. Um, but Lisa tells her, look, I I can't be talking to you about this right now because I've got interest in another party, meaning Kendall. And this really pisses off Shiv here, mm. uh, who storms out, and she's she's ruined it. So what? What did you take from this meeting? Because this is the first time we've really seen that maybe Shiv has a bit of a another idea and another plan. Yeah, it's, it's very intriguing because we'll get to um, a bit more about Shiv later in the episode. Uh, her path forward as the series progresses is very unclear at the moment. We, we are left not knowing exactly or whether she knows um, what to do next. Um, will she hitch her wagon to um, to Kendall? Sort of seems unlikely from mm. some of the things she says about him. But yes, in the meeting with uh, Lisa, she's not doing as she's been instructed to. She's not really there to hire Lisa on behalf no. of her father. She wants advice. Um, 
on how to basically get protection, extricate herself from the situation, all of that. Um, and yeah, it gets very annoyed. <laughs> Thanks, pal. You know, whenever um, uh, she's rebuffed. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that will be very interesting to see. But I, I couldn't speculate. I don't know whether she'll just want to go out on her own or whether she'll take sides. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's definitely maybe this third third party in this war here uh, being led by Shiv is a possibility. So we're back and Roman and Jerry are in a hotel room and Roman is trying to seduce Jerry. Now, the extent of their relationship so far has has kind of been just phone calls with Jerry talking and Roman getting himself off. Uh, but now they're they're alone. They're in a hotel room. They both might be CEO of this company, um, and Roman's doing the whole. Oh, it's getting it's getting awfully hot in here as he's unbuttoning <laughs> his shirt and is trying to seduce Jerry. And luckily for Jerry, um, Logan calls her, interrupting. Uh, potentially, these two getting off, and the phone call is to tell her that Shiv blew it with Lisa and and that Jerry is going to be the new CEO of Waystar. And Roman seems happy for Jerry, but his only request is, hey, I got to be the one to tell Shiv here. Mm. So I think he says something like, it'll, it'll, it'll be much better coming from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls Shiv and is such a prick about it. He's He's singing to her that you blew it with your friend. Nobody likes you. Your friends don't like you. Um, and Shiv just hangs up, fed up. And this is where she says, change of plan. And the car kind of redirects. And that's the last we see of Shiv in this episode. So, yeah, uh, as we were saying, does this mean she's going to uh, team up with, uh, with Kendall or... Is she going to go off on her own and try something else? Uh, I can't really see what the options are for Shiv here, apart from Roman. Uh, sorry, apart from Kendall. Yeah, and my, my immediate thought uh, when she asked the driver to, to change her plans was that she was headed to Kendall. Because at, at that point, I was thinking very binary. Those are the two mm. camps at war here. Um, she's going to hitch her wagon to one of them. But since watching it, I've wondered whether she has something in mind simply for herself or perhaps um, characters that did not feature in this episode, but will. And that um, and those are a couple of characters who are engaged in a kind of take, a hostile takeover bid for the whole Waystar company. That storyline's been bubbling in the background a little bit. Um, Kendall's friend, Stewie. Yeah, we've got and, um, Stu, we've got the the Pierce family, is it? Yeah. Um, there are a few other players, and and maybe uh if if Shiv can um I, I'm trying Shiv doesn't know about the the waiter, does she? No. But that that if 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 Shiv's gonna get some power in this, she needs to somehow find out about that because then she has ammunition against both Kendall and Logan. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'd certainly see maybe maybe Stu uh, getting involved somehow. The other part of that is that um, Shiv is kind of the only Democrat in the family. I think that Roman's probably not really anything. He's just kind of this, he's virtually feral, you know, apolitical, just 
pure animalistic guy, yeah. but politically aligned. Um, when we first meet Shiv, she's um, getting a Democrat senator elected. And then she begins, she works for a while for a Bernie Sanders type, a very mm. uh, left wing by American standards politician before she then gets back into the company. And um, the, 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 his name escapes me, but the businessman who is working with Stu is much more of a liberal leaning news outlet uh, mm. media person. So that's that's another option for her. She might maybe go and um, join up with them. But I guess we'll see. We'll see. So back at Rava's house, uh, Kendall asks if it's okay if Naomi, his his new girlfriend, comes up, which, Kendall, what are you thinking here? This isn't mm. going to go well. And again, Rava is still like, yeah, sure, fine, but really doesn't seem happy about this. And Kendall questions her about um, some male razors he he found in the bathroom. Mm. Um, and she's like, oh, they're just, no, it's not what you think. They're just cheaper. He's like, well, I, I'm not giving you enough money. I, I'm not paying you enough to get gender appropriate mm. razors. Um, Ke- Kendall obviously still has something for his his yeah. ex-wife here. He's he always claims- asking about other men and stuff like that. Absolutely, always. And he claims to be joking here, but I mean, why bring it up? Why, yeah. you know, he wants to know who those razors belong to in the midst of his of, of his girlfriend on the way to uh, his ex-wife's house. So it's yeah. just, again, another example of Kendall's delusions. Yes. Lisa Arthur arrives at the house and uh, Kendall is just pitching to her um he calls his dad the devil and that she is this like famous superstar of a lawyer and wants her to help him take him down, uh, says it will be the case of a lifetime. They'll make movies about her. Um, again, just very kind of delusional with how big this is all going to be. Um, and Lisa's like, right, let me get this straight. You want me to take down your dad without implicating yourself or hurt the company so much that it's not, uh, it's not going to be worth anything. It's not going to be redeemable. Um, Kendall says, look, I'm going to be your puppet. Uh, like I, you're the one who knows what to do here. I will literally do whatever you tell me to. Um, meanwhile, you hear that Greg uh, has pissed off Rava because he's opened up this really old, expensive bottle of wine given to her by her godfather. And... Greg's like, oh, I'm sorry. Naomi just told me to open it. So it's now the new girlfriend of her ex-husband. Kendall's going to check on everything. And Rava, while just staring at him, just says, look, it reminds us that when someone breaks something beautiful, uh, nothing ever lasts. Um, Obviously talking about Mm -hmm. their relationship there. But Kendall, like, again, so delusional. He just turns to Greg and he's like, Greg, all these fucking women, man, got to be doing something right. <laughs> you just you're pissing yeah. off everyone here. But I know, and also just to rewind it ever so slightly, to when when Lisa lays out the task ahead of him, uh, bring down your father, but don't implicate yourself or damage the company so badly that the shareholders, you know, bail and all of that. He doesn't seem to take this on board. That the 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 level of the task ahead of him is. A mountain to climb. Mm. He's just 
yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, I'm in your hands. I'm your Just puppet. tell me what to do. Yep. <laughs> so we now, uh, Frank has found out that Lisa Arthur is going to represent Kendall, uh, relays this information to Logan, who says, okay, well, we'll get Leo then. We'll beast them. We'll go full fucking beast. Beast. As as the episode wraps up here. Um, awesome first episode of the season. Kind of gave me everything I missed from this show. Uh, the, the family dynamics, the kind of questions of where it's going to go next and just fucking great one-liners scattered throughout. Um, and yeah, Logan's going to war. He's going full fucking beast here. Uh, what were some overall thoughts of, of this episode? Yeah, for uh, well, first of all, I was very glad we didn't pick up with a sort of six months later type thing. You know, this 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 uh, season opener was deferred by a year because uh, because of COVID restrictions on filming. So, for those who did see it when it was broadcast, it's been two years, and yet we pick up immediately from the end of season two. And yes, this episode is kind of setting the chess pieces in play for what's to come. There's an element of that, but it was also hugely entertaining for all the reasons that you outlined. The we're straight back into the you know the one of the most dysfunctional families you could ever imagine. The one-liners, the dialogue, the body language, the the fa- the fabulous acting, the cast of this show to, to a man and woman are are absolutely terrific mm. as an ensemble. They're brilliant, and individually they're brilliant. Um, so yes, I was so I was so looking forward to to it coming back and also wondering, will it be as good, you know? And uh, yes, is the answer. So right, I, was, I think I so. Yeah. Delighted. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it's worth maybe saying about the cast um, that, you know, Brian Cox, absolutely fabulous actor, uh, won a Golden Globe um, for his role in this. I think, uh, Jeremy Strong, who um, is a very interesting guy, if you ever read an interview with him, uh, he's he's a pure method actor, okay. and he separates himself from the rest of the cast when they're on set. And mm. um, there's an episode smoking in, crack in the dressing room, that kind of thing. Yeah, I wonder what, just, how, <laughs> just how far he went. In fairness, yeah, because there's some pretty hardcore drug use, particularly um, um, when he's. Uh, to, to go back when he's on his way to New Mexico and falls goes to a pub, falls off the wagon with first a vodka and then meth, and yeah. then he kind of get, you know gets a taxi or some sort of car service to bring him pretty much every drug you could imagine. You know, so mm. I don't know how, how much the method <laughs> was used for that, but he did apparently break a toe uh, running through the streets of New York. Um, for the episode where he's trying to orchestrate um, a vote of no confidence in his father right. in a previous series. Um, so there was no kind of rights, you know, lights, camera, action, run. You know, he he was actually running through the, I don't know, the Brooklyn Tunnel or something yeah. like that, and they had to stop the traffic. So he's an, he's a very interesting guy and a terrific actor. He's, mm. one, he's, he's uh, I think, an Emmy winner. I think he won an Emmy for the it, yeah. show. And an awful lot of the others have been nominated, including Kieran Culkin, who's a scene stealer as well. So it's it's. Um, I often they, they th- honestly all are like all yeah. of them. Uh, I can't really pick a favorite because each character is so different and dynamic in their own right, and 
uh, I love the different combinations you can have of the characters. It's amazing. And then you get, of course, for um, comic relief, Cousin Greg and uh, and Tom together. They're not together in this episode, but um, when they are, it's absolute gold, you know. And um, I think that itself is is, is a real talent. The, the guy who plays Greg, um, I forget his name. I probably have it somewhere here. Um uh, I've got the card. Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Braun. Nicholas Braun. Um, mm. He just does that bumbling kind of, you know, he's incredibly tall, kind of lanky, looks awkward, and he plays it to an absolute T. But, but as you said, isn't complete dumbass, you know, because he, he saved those papers for himself mm. uh, very early on. Um, so those moments of comedy are very funny. Matthew McFadden is brilliant in it as well as... Yep. as um, as Tom Wamsgams. And he, I, I always find it quite funny that he um, was one of the first stars of the TV show Spooks, which oh, was yeah. branded as, I think it was just called MI6 when it was broadcast in the States. Mm-hmm. And at that time, as a good few years ago now, it was like a, one of the major tabloid male heartthrobs. And he was Britain. called Tom in that show as well. He was indeed. Yeah. yeah. And here he is as a, a complete goof you know a kind of you know um yeah i mean just, he was he was mr darcy with kira knightley wasn't he that's right prejudice yes, as well yeah he was definitely like one of the kind of heartthrobs the like a colin colin firth kind of actor i'd say yeah um so and it, yeah it, it, just it, a, an idiot here <laughs> it shows his range i guess as an mm. actor yeah uh who Whose like team are you on? Have you have you picked an allegiance? Who, who do you want to see win this war? The thing about this show is that it's really hard to root for anyone. You're almost in, well, I, you know, I can't speak for for everybody who watches this show, but it's almost like watching a you know t- not being able to turn your head away from a car crash as you drive by. It's I, I, I so I find that I'm not. You do root for people on occasion, particularly when they're you know, getting... Um, against the ropes. Yeah, they're against the ropes. They're downtrodden. They're, you know, I've had that with experience um, with the Kendall character multiple times. And then he does something like borderline unforgivable. And you think, no, this guy's just as big as shit as everybody else. Mm. So it's difficult to pick a team and stick with it. Um, it's hard not to like Roman just because of that, the way the character is played. But again... He's a horrible guy. Yeah. <laughs> in the very first episode, they go off um, during um, the, the birthday celebrations. It's Rome, It's uh, Logan's 80th birthday in the pilot episode, and they go off to play softball. And he gives a local kid a check for a million dollars. Oh, he does the million-dollar man thing, doesn't he? He says, <laughs> you can keep this if you hit a home run. <laughs> and the kid nearly hits a home run. Uh, uh, but doesn't. So yeah. Roman tears the check up in his face. And I was thinking, this is a shit-eating bastard. He's just the worst, you know. But then as the show progresses, his sadism is tempered by just his total dysfunction and fear sort of issues as well. So, he, And it's hard not sometimes to root for a guy he, who's just so funny and entertaining. Yeah, he starts to show a willingness to actually learn as well. He realises that he's he's not as like like business smart as all the others and definitely as the series progresses tries to learn some more stuff as well and and kind of seems um 
to like dislike himself or how much of a prick he can be. Yeah, I think there's a big dollop of self-loathing in his in his character makeup. I for for me, I I think I'm still probably Team Kendall here, but there's just so much face palming with him. Like, why yeah. are you doing that? Um, but you definitely right from the the first episode where you see him. Uh, I, I guess he's probably kind of the the protagonist in this show, if you will. But then, mm-hmm. as you said, there isn't really a, a clear one. Everyone is pretty awful on this show, but that's, that's what makes it so entertaining. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's been, it was once I saw a review of it, I think probably quite early on, comparing it to like Dallas with with uh, more um, explicit sex scenes and, and bad language. But it's not that because the soap opera aspect of it is, is played down in favor of the kind of the look at these people, look at the dysfunction. And also there's no Bobby Ewing to the JR Ewing. There's no mm. baby face really in this show. Greg possibly come is maybe one of the characters who comes closest to it of the main group. Mm. There are there are side characters who seem okay, but they get they get shit on <laughs> by this family. Yeah. So um yeah, it's it's um it's not a soap opera. It's not. A, it's hard to categorize. It's not really a pure drama. It's not a pure satire. Um, tragedy comedy. Comedy. I've heard it described as. It's. It's in a little niche. I think almost of its own. And I think that's that's what makes it so great. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Uh, well, we do have some feedback for uh, for episode one. Um, this this episode was called uh, Secession. Um, mm. I, I don't actually know what that means. So let's do. Let's look what that means. Do you know what succession means? Secession. My understanding of the word is like this, they used to sometimes talk about the secession of Texas from from the US, so like leaving um, a union. So right. Um, yeah, it says the action of withdrawing formally from membership of a federation or body, especially a political state. Hmm. Um. So I guess, I mean, Logan running to Sarajevo, I guess. Yeah. Okay, but we do have feedback. Um, we're, this show is on the free feed this week, but uh, moving forward, this is going to be a Patreon exclusive. Uh, so feedback up for this week on the Post Wrestling Forum and uh, and the Patreon. So if you still want to give your thoughts on episode one, feel free to join the chat in the forum there. But we start with Walter Barker, who says, A tremendous start to the season. My favorite part of this episode was the total indifference of the outside world to the Roy's power struggle, Mm. highlighted by Kendall and Rava's conversation about his speech in season two. Long-term storytelling. And we go to MJ from NJ, who says, the long-anticipated season premiere did not disappoint after its long hiatus, and it looks like things are going to smash, be smash-mouth this year. The slow burns of season one are long behind as this show is now operating at peak levels. It has much more of the Breaking Bad late-season vibes when, uh, where even the actors seem to be performing for a much larger audience than they had been in the earlier seasons. What I continue to adore about the show is how fucked up everyone actually is. Billionaires, they are just like us. 
Roman reverting to a babbling child on the phone with his father, Shiv melting down to a friend because she hit the breaking point, Kendall making power moves with Greg as his assistant. These people have deep, messed up personal situations ignited by their father and yet are supposed to be titans of the corporate world. Where the in-your-face lines and quick-hit jokes will grab headlines, I have loved character development throughout the show. And as with all great ensemble shows, the mixing and matching of characters continues to provide stimulation to the story being told. Greg and Kendall, Tom and Logan. Didn't know I needed these pairings, pairings till now, but after one episode, I am here for it. A bit of nitpicking, considering the global media landscape Waco operates in and the monumental move pulled at the end of season two i'm disappointed to not see more real world reaction whereas the deeply personal conflicts make makes the characters of an outlandish corporate story relatable the lack of real world connection makes it still feel fantastical take for example the phone call to the white house i hope we get more of that interplay for as funny as it was to hear greg talk about the memes could we not have seen the evidence of that in some way um yeah, I mean, I, I guess we could get more of that going on. I I feel the one sense of that was really rather in this episode. Yes, I agree. I also think possibly, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with MJ, but possibly one of the appeals of this show is that we're inside that bubble. Mm. Um, and witnessing the, the dysfunction in a way that is fantastical, because if you really pick at the script and the dialogue, people don't speak like this. And I think it, it, there is an element of the fantastical in this show. Um, but, I mean, very thoughtful feedback. I agree with nearly everything that MJ yeah. said. And um, the uh, one of the other dynamics there um, is the, the the indifference of the outside. He mentions the indifference of the outside world to the, to the corporate drama. We also have, which I neglected to notice, but really hit me, the indifference of, of um, Kendall Roy to the plight of the the victims of this scandal. He doesn't give the flying fuck about any of that. You know, this is all a power play for him and him alone. So, yes, we get to see these, uh, these people as, you know, s- as we were, as we were saying, they're almost irredeemable mm. when you break down some of their actions, and I think that staying within that bubble, instead of the interplay from the outside, helps to keep that moving along without us kind of shying away from these characters too much. Possibly, just a theory. Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. Um, also, the like Logan's team give. Don't give a shit about the victims either. There was a, a line um, earlier in this episode where they're discussing which lawyer to get, and uh, Logan goes, "Oh, she's the one that represented the hookers," and Jerry goes, "Yes, yeah, she she won the case for the sex workers, correct?" Yeah. And just sex workers, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but the kind of uh, indifference to these victims that all the characters have it it is purely about uh, Logan versus Kendall rather than the bigger scope. Um, also just the, the way you were saying about it being fantastical with their own bubble. I know in, in season one, there's where Kendall's trying to get a deal made and he, he uses like a kind of Logan-esque insult and they go, Hey, I, 
I don't appreciate being talked to like that. And I don't do business with people that do that. That's right. And it's almost Kendall's so much in that bubble and seeing Logan use these one-liners all the time that seem to work. But as soon as you break through to the, the real world, people like don't fucking talk to me like that yeah. and hangs up the, sh- the phone. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you, MJ. Some, some great points there. And thank mm-hmm. you, Walter. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this season. I'm really looking forward to talk about this every week. And Neil, uh, thank you so much for, for being, uh, my partner this week on this, on this show. Um, it's been a great chat and just makes me more excited for episode two. Me too, Davey. And thanks very much for, uh, for asking me to do it. An absolute pleasure because the show I, I, I adore and uh, like you can't wait to see what's going to happen in the, in the episodes to come. Any final thoughts or anything you want to plug before we, we say goodbye and fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone can just fuck off. I have nothing to plug. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, well, we'll chat to you all again very soon. If you did enjoy this show, um, over on the Patreon, we do cover a lot more than just wrestling. Um, It's spooky season, so we've got a lot of horror reviews up at the moment. We've uh, got a review of the 2008 Charlie Brooker series, Dead Set, which is what would happen if a zombie outbreak happened during Big Brother. Uh, We also have our reviews of The Exorcist. Uh, Our Child's Play review is just about to come out. and then Halloween coming out next week, as long as, as well as some old retro wrestling reviews, including best match ever, casket match, and our upcoming review of Hall- uh, Halloween Havoc 1996. Obviously, you know where to catch us every Tuesday and Wednesday night with our NXT and AEW reviews live on Twitch at 10.15, twitch.tv slash podcast, and of course, on this very feed. Uh, but this is the end of our first sesh and we're going to have many, many more. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman and at Up Next Podcast. And we'll bid you adieu. Take care, guys. Thank you very much. Ahoy! Ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO. Hey there, BreezeLine has a holiday gift just for you. One month of free internet for all your family's gift sites, book flights, and movie nights. Get reliable, fast internet with speeds starting at 100 megabits per second for just $19.99 a month. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way home for the first 12 months. And your first month is free. BreezeLine wishes you all a happy and bright holiday season. If only they could give you a little holiday relief from all the matching family outfits. Service subject to availability. New residential customers and select areas only. Visit BreezeLine.com for complete offer details.